that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome to a post-game episode of Buckeye Talk. Ohio State just beat Purdue 41-7 in West Lafayette. And myself, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis, we're all kind of spread out inside of Ross State Stadium right now to do this post-game pod. Nathan, just off the bat here, initial reactions, because this game is over with. This is about what they look like this week in 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 relation to what we think they might look like against Purdue. I mean, Penn State next week. It's a lot of P teams that they're playing back to back here. Did they, what you saw today from Ohio State in this 41 to seven win, did that increase your confidence in what they might be able to do offensively against Penn State next week? Did it decrease it? Did it keep it the same? So it's interesting because from talking to Ryan Day after the game, I'll get to what it means about me, but I want to preface it by saying this. Ryan Day after the game, when he was getting questions about Dallin Hayden, really seemed to be emphasizing that, yes, they saw some good things from the offensive line, like knocking people off the ball and the running backs were running hard. But he did seem to be cutting it with, hey, this wasn't an upper tier challenge, right? Like this was mm-hmm. a team that they should be able to run the ball on, be able to move the ball on. So I, 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 I but I'm not going to completely naysay it. Because I'm going to go back to what I said earlier in the week, that I thought it was important that this team get a dose of confidence in some important ways. And there were some guys for this who this was not a confidence-building game for, probably. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. had a couple of drops. Things got weird for Marvin today. Um, Julian Fleming had a big drop. There were some others like that. Just seemed There were some really kind of um, uncharacteristically sloppy things about this game. Kyle McCord had some sloppy moments. but I think this offensive line comes out of this game saying, feeling mostly good things about itself. Definitely also had a couple of moments in pass protection. So I think that you have to say, yes, that this was a positive momentum game for the offense. They should have been six of six to start the game in, in touchdowns in the red zone if Devin Brown doesn't fumble going in on that keeper. Like, that was a big thing that has been a problem for this offense, and they completely fixed it here. Um, you have to feel better, I think, just about the running game looking more stable. Dallin Hayden played a part in that, but I thought all day they were giving guys big gaps to run through. So, again, it's against a team that I thought they would be able to run the ball against pretty easily. That came to fruition, but I still think that's an important piece of momentum to be carrying into next week because I think if this offensive line had come out of this game still not feeling good about itself, I think its chances of going and summoning the performance it needs against Penn State goes down. They still have to be better than they were today to go in and push Penn State around. There's only three Power 5 teams in the country that came in today allowing less yards per carry than Penn State. They're really, really, really good up front. But they gave themselves – I do think you come out of today more confident that this offensive line can do enough against Penn State to help this offense stay on track. Andrew, I just wanted to see them push some guys around and create holes, and I think they did that. And I thought Dallin Hayden, I think regardless of talent level, I think he has the best vision 
of the running backs that we've seen so far. If you even go back to last year and how he would hit holes. So because of what his skill set is, you probably got to see it more on display. Okay, there are holes there, and the running back is hitting it. Now, of course, Purdue is a bottom-of-the-barrel run defense team this year. Let's, let's just be frank about this. And so you take it all and stride in with a grain of salt. But in a game where you want to see Ohio State push some teams, push a defensive line around, they pushed the defensive line around, especially once they settled in. Yeah, you know, I, I made a mention to this, you know, earlier this week on the pod, and, and I kind of talked about how, like, you know, sometimes you just got to see the ball go through the hoop, and sometimes you just got to see things go well for you. Sometimes you just got to get things to happen, and, and that's really, I think, what happened for Ohio State today. So, yeah, you know, I think you could look at this and say, it's just Purdue, it's this, it's that, and I think that you can kind of get, I think that I think that, that can be true. Like, I think that you can say, all right, it's Purdue. <laughs> let's 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 have a let's have a reasonable discourse about this and kind of understand that you know their run defense was not very good, but it also I do think it does build confidence on the offensive line because you need something like you would have needed anything going into that Penn State game because imagine what kind of conversation we would be having if they didn't run the ball very well, if they didn't do things very well. And oh, by the way, now you're down to your fourth string running back and you, you're injured at running back. The offensive line has still got problems. That would have been an issue. So, you know, I think it was just a, a game that you needed to have at a moment that you needed to have it, really. There's a lot of injury news that we need to get into. And I think a lot of it has once again centered around this running back position. Travion Henderson for the second straight game was on the availability report listed as questionable. And he went through warmups and then didn't dress Nathan. This is the second straight week that this has happened. Mayan Williams played last week. And then this week he shows up on the availability report as out. He was not at the Penn State, the Purdue game. Excuse me. He was back in Columbus. And then Chip Trainum, who stepped in as the starter the last two weeks, I think it was the third, second quarter, I believe, early in the second quarter, he takes a hit on a pass play and gets knocked out of the game. And it looks like he's in concussion protocol. It's a head, clear head injury. They put him in the, in the tent for a couple of seconds. He came back out. He was moving around fine, but they took his helmet from him. I saw him after the game. He was moving around fine, but it looks like he's probably in concussion pro- protocol. So once again, here we are. Midway through the season, Nathan, and the guy that they weren't planning to be their running back is having to carry the load, and that's Dallin Hayden. They got asked on Tuesday about what the plan is with Dallin Hayden. Why haven't we seen him? And they've talked. They said the plan is to register him, not not verbatim, but in more words than not, the goal this year was to redshirt him. So they were going to pick wisely which games that they wanted him to play. And he had already played in one game, the Indiana game, coming into this game. And now he plays in the in the Purdue game. He has 11 carries for 76 yards and a touchdown. That's 6.9 yards per carry. And this you, you sent this survey out to our Texas right after the game. And I think this leads us right into the, the first question here. Well, the second question on the survey, but the first question we're going to discuss here. Should Ohio State play Dallin Hayden more, maybe even over Travion Henderson and Chip Trainum, and not worry about the red shirt? And I, I know you paired it, but those are almost two different conversations there in terms of should he be playing over those guys, but also should he just be playing, period. So let's start with the period conversation. Should Day and Tony Offer just say, forget this red shirt, this guy needs to play football for you this year? So obviously this was a question that came up with Ryan Day postgame, and mm-hmm. he... I thought answered in a really, again, informative way. You're trying to either take this either as a blatant declaration or trying to read between the lines. But here's here's what he said. Because he was basically saying that, you know, Hayden 
didn't uh, hasn't been getting you know the same reps, and it shows you his mental preparation that he was ready for this moment today, and says um, the things that we did today were things that our day one installation kind of plays, and the stretch play, the counter play, and a couple tosses, but. Um, he took care of the ball and that's the number one thing. Um, some things in protection that he needs to get better at, but he ran the ball hard and it was good to see him step up in this moment. And then later he was asked, Ryan was asked because he had mentioned the red shirt earlier in the week. Is that still a consideration or do you have to reevaluate that now? And day answered in such a way that made it seem like the biggest consideration is not necessarily how Dallin Hayden played, but what the health of that room is. Dallin Hayden will play if they need him to because other running backs can't because their depth is depleted to the point that it was today. And that's a very real possibility for Penn State. It's hard for me to say, I mean, listen, like they saw him last year in extended opportunities and still at the end of the year were ready to give the ball to Chip Trainum who had been playing running back really at all against Michigan. And they had all of that time with him in the offseason too and still come into this year and have him fourth on the depth chart. And it's hard for me to believe that they're just that wrong about their evaluations that he shouldn't be playing. But I also think that this idea that you need to protect his extra year of eligibility, like what are the odds that he really gets to a fifth year and because that's what you're talking about here that he would play two more games this year and then stay at Ohio State for another three years like skill position players don't tend to stick around here for five years very often if at all because you play NFL skill position players at Ohio State right like who's the last skill position player of real consequence that stayed for five years I'm kind of racking my brain trying to think well who that been. I mean, KJ and Terry McLaurin and Paris, but that's a different era of wide receiver and those skill are, well, player in that are, position. Those are those are fair ones to bring up because those are all NFL players too. Those are all guys who got yeah. drafted. Some of them pretty high. Some of them doing well in the NFL. So that's that's fair to bring up. But things have shifted, and it, yeah. it's just it's not common that a guy who is good enough to play a lot for you sticks around here for five years and ends up being an NFL player. I guess is Mayan in his fifth year? Would that be? No, this is your four. This is your like four. He was a the only, in 2020. Yeah, so, the only yeah, skilled so right. players so, who are here past year three so far are like Julian Fleming and Mayan Williams. And yeah. I think we're all assuming that yeah. they're done after this year. Yeah. And then Trainum's a, a fourth year guy, totality of his career, I think. Right. Because uh, I think he had two years at Arizona State. So um, mm-hmm. I guess long winded way of saying I, I think they need to, I don't, I, I've come around to this point. I don't think that the red shirt should be that much of a consideration. I guess I, it made sense to me when he was talking about earlier this week because they had the depth. Mm-hmm. But the way he ran the ball today was um, better than the way some other guys run the ball. Now, I also think that they were really clearing out some holes today. Like This was an offensive line that was gashing out some holes, and the running backs were taking advantage of that. And I thought you saw that from all three of the guys who ran the ball a lot today. I didn't see like Dallin Hayden necessarily doing like I'm super impressed with the way that he did that. It was more like I'm impressed with the way the running game did that. So I think that's a little bit what, what Ryan Day is getting at too. It's that don't get too distracted by what a guy does like 
we've seen Trevor Henderson do, like frankly, we've seen Chip Tranum do to turn something into something more than it would have been. Um, I don't know that we necessarily see that a lot from Hayden. I'm looking forward to rewatching the game to see that. But I think that I think to, to take the red shirt into consideration when a guy is producing doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I just don't know that I think the math from when, when I don't think he stays here five years. I mean, it, it, at some point, either he's he is playing a lot for you and starring and then he's gone after four years at the most. Like, what if he takes over next year as a starting running back and is awesome? He's, mm-hmm. he's, why would he stay? Um, why he stay one more year, let alone two? And, and that's speculating, you know, quite a bit, projecting out quite a bit. But, like, the idea that he would still be here at year five, doesn't that mean he probably hasn't been good enough up to year five? And if so, is he still playing for you or is he playing for someone else? Are you, are you protecting this redshirt season so he can finish his career somewhere else? Like the, the math starts to break down for me. And there's also the element of – we're talking about running backs here. We see true freshmen come in at running back and play all the time. And you're bringing in a top 100 running back next year in James Peoples and another one who's a top 150, top 200 guy in Jordan Lyle. Andrew, should let's answer that for question first. Should Ohio State be that concerned about protecting Dallin Hayden's red shirt? Because I think the Brian Day pretty much answered the question of should he be playing over Trayvon Henderson and Chip Trainum? And the answer is no. But should they be protecting the red shirt? No, you know, I don't think you should be protecting the red shirt per se. Like, I don't think you should go into every week like we can't play Dallin Hayden. We, you know, oh, no, like if he sees the field, it's a failure and it's a coaching mistake or something has gone terribly wrong. Like, I, I don't know, for instance, three our top three running backs get hurt. Um, you know, I, I, I think that you don't have to be protective of it. It doesn't hurt. Like, I, I, I guess I don't necessarily see some terrible downside to this like i I mean because even if you don't think like if you don't think he's gonna be here for a fifth year or even like a fourth like that's fine like if you if you don't think that he's gonna be at ohio state for a very long period of time you can you can say that but also he's the fourth running back on the depth chart when everything is 75 and sunny like when trevion's there and when chip is there and when mayan is there dallin's fourth and I mean, how much do you really need to use your fourth? So it's kind of like one of those things where if you if you have it, you might as well use it. Right. Like if, if you're going to if you're just going to have him sit on the bench and, and not take any carries or not take any really meaningful carries, then, yeah, sure. Redshirt him. Then, yeah, then I, then I get it. But if you do reach a point like this where, you know, you need a second or a third guy. Yeah, you shouldn't be protective of it, but if you can help it, I I mean, I don't I don't see some huge downside to this. It's just that so if he's going to play, yeah, you, you shouldn't look for reasons to keep him off the field is what I'm trying to say. You know, you shouldn't look to the running back depth chart in the running back room and be like, "Man, we really can't let him on the field or else we're going to burn a year." Like if you got to play him, you got to play him, but there's also kind of this understanding that like if everybody's healthy, Dallin Hayden's not going to play a whole heck of a lot. So if you're not going to play him a whole heck of a lot, I don't see the benefit to to trying to keep him an extra year or trying to just add another year onto his career. I mean, here's the tricky thing, because I think they try to do that, like the, the hot hand concept, right? But it seemed like Hayden had been set aside from that, the way Ryan Day was talking earlier this week, that whatever they were doing in practice each week, he was maybe not necessarily being evaluated in the same way. Because if those other three guys are performing, which they more or less have been, then you could just set him aside and that 
you know that next year he's got three more years of eligibility to use beginning next year. And maybe he's your lead back next year because these other guys are leaving. But now if, if maybe if you just make that, I just want to know if you take that one change and you just set the red shirt aside and you evaluate him fully each week on against the other three guys, not taking the red shirt into consideration. What does that mean? Is he still fourth in that, in the evaluation at that point? And if so, what is it? Is there, and this is where it gets tricky because they're not going to, we don't watch practice and Ryan Day doesn't come in and like throw guys under the bus directly. So is he, is there a, is the pass pro situation with him that much of a consideration that they're just, he, and there was a play in this game where Dallin Hayden was in the game and the, the, the corner blitz came. And I think there was, you could see Ryan Day on the sideline having demonstrative, it was to Tony Alford, it was to Com Accord when he came off the field, and it seemed, I, I don't know, I, I couldn't read his lips, but it seemed like it was about the way the protection broke down on that play, and I think that's where there is a, Down Hayden's maybe not as far along, I'm speculating, as those other guys are. Is there a ball protection issue? Because Ryan Day brought that up specifically after the game. Maybe that's happening more in practice than we ever see it happen in the games that, that Down Hayden has played. Although I would start to counter and say, well, we've seen him play enough in games and he isn't yeah. fumbling. That, <laughs> that he was saying that last year too. He was saying yeah. that a lot last year too. The, the, ball, uh, the ball control. It's like we never saw him fumble in a game. So is this dude just a turnover machine in practice? But once he gets in the game, we just never see it. But that's been going yeah. back to last year. Is there a situation happening right now where he is removed from the evaluation? But if you were to now all of a sudden evaluate him head-to-head against everybody, is he really still behind Mayan Williams? Is he really still behind Chip Trainum as, as a tailback? I think he would still be behind Trevian Henderson. But should he be getting more of those like second carries, um, you know, third-string carries if needed? I mean, he barely – he'd only played – if you really were going to save the red shirt, but you wanted to save these situations where um, – for, for situations like this or – or worried that this situation wasn't going to what if this had happened in late in the season or in the playoff and you really needed that your fourth guy to be your second guy now why did he play it all against indiana then because now you're down to two now you're down to two opportunities so that seems like the mistake with playing him at indiana at all like there's things here that just don't necessarily add up dallin hayden played three snaps against indiana so to your point why waste those three snaps when today he needed to play probably north of 15, maybe close to 20 snaps today just because of how things worked out today. You could have easily saved him from the Indiana game because you didn't need him in a game like that. Our texters are on board with the Dallin Hayden conversation. 48% said, yes, absolutely. He should be playing more and maybe even over Trayvon Henderson and Trip Trainum and not worry about the red shirt. 40% said, yes, but only if the injuries keep the depth in which is i think where we're at we're yes play him because if if they're going to need them because they're going to need this entire room to get through the entire regular season we're going to take a quick break right there and then when we come back ohio state debuted a a a old pastime package that didn't work the last time they used it but it worked today against purdue and we're wondering whether or not it's something that could be simmering against penn state and against other teams going forward or is it just something that the scenario provided the perfect situation to use it and i'll reveal what that is when we come back here on buckeye talk nathan devin brown played football again like meaningful football for ohio state in a way that really he hasn't done since before the western kentucky game so the youngstown state game was the last time he had a real role here Ohio State's second drive, it's third and one. Kyle McCord's driving. It looks like they're getting ready to score another touchdown. And all of a sudden, Kyle McCord comes off the field, and Devin Brown pops out there. And 
Is there a Devin Brown red zone package to be had out there? And is this something that is it more of a situational thing that whether trying to find stuff in the run game, Purdue presented the perfect scenario for that to actually play out? Or is this something that we should be on alert for that they may use again against Penn State? So just to give the full context, Ryan Day obviously asked about it after the game and said that mm-hmm. this was something that they came up with in the offseason as a response to the experience at Northwestern last year, where mm-hmm. you're trying to play in you know gale force winds and you're, uh, you're trying to um, just be as efficient as possible in, in those situations. And as much as, you know, Kyle McCord can, can get out and run the ball a little bit too, Devin Brown, that is one of his strengths or a place where he has some advantage over Kyle McCord. And he's not inept as a thrower. So you can put him on the field and still have a, both sides of that threat if you're putting him in, in a red zone situation. And that was the that was the genesis of this. And today it just happened to work out that it the conditions and let's face it, probably the opponent gave them an opportunity to use that. And I thought it worked pretty well. If Devin Brown doesn't fumble, you would say that it worked really well, right? He would have had two rushing touchdowns off of that package. And then third package, his first he he threw the ball, didn't go well, or or you know, he ran the ball. Sorry, on that one, he ran a ball, didn't get anything. They put McCord back in, and that's mm-hmm. they got the touchdown off of McCord coming back in. But that still leaves you the option to do that. And as you pointed out, Stephen, I thought one of the most critical parts of this is Devin Brown saying that when he came into the game, he heard all the Purdue guys saying, like, 33, 33, number 33. So, like, he's already a known commodity. Teams already knew. Someone like Ryan Walters, a smart defensive coordinator in his past, like, he knows that there's an opportunity probably that that guy could play, that Devin Brown could play in some scenario um, or, or that they had to be prepared for a quarterback because you never know if Comcore gets hurt. That's not who you're facing. So you've got to have some consideration of what the backup guy's um, talents are. And any, anybody they were switching for a quarterback, I guess they would have made note of it. But the fact that he now teams, Penn State, whoever going forward, maybe has to spend a little bit more time on it. It's probably not coincidental that this was a week that Ohio State was able to pull this out. I think the weather was a factor. And I think if this comes up in a similar weather situation, I would expect to see them do it again. I think if it is a bright, sunny day next week against Penn State, I think Devin Brown's on the sideline with a clipboard or whatever. But I think if it's it's mucky and rainy and windy and cruddy, as it sometimes can be in Ohio, just like Indiana on a given Saturday in October, I think there's a good chance Devin Brown will probably um, we'll see this again. Uh, Day liked what he did. He did not like the fumble. Like Day no. hates those things. It drives him crazy. And um, you can't be doing that. But I think they saw other good things from putting that package in the game. Devin said that he didn't tuck the ball and it hit a Purdue player's helmet. And as a result, touchback instead of a touchdown. He could have been the ultimate fantasy quarterback on Saturday because that's what you want, man. Two rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown. Come on, man. I said anybody would want that on a fantasy team. Quick history lesson. Obviously, one of the more known commodities was this was when Urban Meyer did it with Chris Leak, when Chris Leak was his starting quarterback, and then Tim Tebow was more of a red zone package situation, and it led them to a national championship where they beat Ohio State in that year to, to win it. Ohio State's done this before since I've been on the beat. They did it in 2018 when Dwayne Haskins was their starting quarterback, and everybody knows Dwayne Haskins couldn't run. 
And it's, it wasn't just that I won't run. He couldn't run. C.J. Stroud's situation was he could run a little bit. He just didn't want to do it. Dwayne could not do it at all. And so it became a problem for them in the red zone and their ability to run the ball down there. So they had this kid. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Tate, Tate Martell. He's from Las Vegas. Well, he's actually California or Arizona. I don't remember where he's from. But the point is, the point is they had this thing called the Tate Martell package. And it was basically what Devin Brown did against Purdue. The only problem is the Tate Martell package never worked. It never worked because either he made the wrong read or it just didn't convert. It worked against Purdue. Andrew, is this something that Ohio State should be considering to use going forward? Would you use it if you were Ryan Day going forward? If these conditions arise again against Penn State or against Michigan or against Wisconsin, is this something that Ohio State should pull out of its back pocket? Yes and no. Uh, I think today was kind of the perfect storm, no pun intended. Um, You know, you look at the opponent. You're playing Purdue. You are better than Purdue. You are more talented than Purdue. You can afford a little bit of wiggle room to try and experiment with some things. You can try to, to, you know, hey, we're going to see if this works because the short yardage situations for Ohio State, as we have documented for weeks now, have not been good. The run game for Ohio State has not been good. The red zone offense for Ohio State has not been great. So you, you can kind of go down the line and point to a couple different things and say, hey, they weren't great here, they weren't great here, they weren't great here. And this gives you a curveball. Ryan Day talks about this a lot, or at least he did at the beginning of the year, where every team kind of needs to have its fastball, and then you can start to work in the changeups. Today kind of struck me as like a circle change, and you just kind of throw that in there and say, hey, look, look what we can do now. Look, look what we have in our back pocket. And like Steven said, I don't think it was any coincidence that you play Ohio or you play Penn State next week and you're playing a team that is going to come into Ohio Stadium with a lot to think about now, or at least more to think about than they maybe would have. You know, now Penn State has to think about, okay, if they get to the red zone, they might bring in Devin Brown. And if they bring in Devin Brown, here's what this means. And here's what we have to do to react to that. And here's this, and here's that, and here's this, and here's that. And and you can kind of add, it it adds another wrinkle to your offense. It gives you another look. I think you could pull it out, again, no pun intended, on a rainy day. If you're just not, if things aren't working in the red zone, pull it out. See what you see what you can do. You know, if you you get down to the red zone two or three times and, and you don't score and you're not making things happen, yeah, put it, put it, put in the Devin Brown package. Why not? Show, show that look. Just don't do it against Penn State. Just don't do it against Michigan because, you know, I think that there is kind of this this theory with a lot of people that, oh, well, if you put in Devin Brown, I, I agree that it – like I love the fact that it, it makes opponents have to think about it, and I think that that's a great thing to do. But there kind of is this theory that like, oh, well, if we put in, if we put in Devin Brown – then then it's just a whole new plethora of plays that that defenses have to create and defenses have to prepare for and i understand that but don't you feel i mean if you weren't if you were as comfortable with Kyle McCord throwing the ball as you were with Devin Brown throwing the ball Devin Brown is probably your starter right now because or at least he's he got more of a look because Devin Brown I mean they put him in the red zone exclusively for his running ability so if you can run the ball just as or if you can run the ball better than the other guy and then throw the ball just as well as him I don't know kind of sounds like to me a guy you'd want to take a closer look at starting so they obviously value Kyle McCord's throwing ability and and Kyle McCord's obviously played a lot so if you take Kyle off the field then you're in a situation where defenses can maybe tee up a run defense a little bit better because again if you're bringing in another quarterback defenses can send in a certain package defenses can counter with their own package they're allowed to substitute 
defenses are allowed to send in yeah. their own defense. So I think that if you're able to do that, then defenses can have their own look for it and they can prepare for a running quarterback. I just I think that it, you can you can maybe kind of put yourself in a corner and say, you know, the offense isn't maybe what we would want it to be with Kyle. Cause I think if, if Kyle's in the game, you would feel more comfortable with Devin in the game, throwing the ball. Right. Like, I don't, I don't think that that's crazy to say but, that you, you yeah, feel but you're, more but comfortable you're, with Kyle throwing the ball. You're saying that as if Kyle, as if Devin Brown can't throw the ball at all, or he's not a wild sure. quarterback. Yeah, no, I understand. Th- sh- yeah, I mean, he yeah. showed us today that he can throw the ball down the field. Yeah, he, you're not Brian Day. Em- yeah. Brian Day emphasized the fact that he could throw the ball today. The, the sure. point of the Devin Brown thing is. They're used to teams loading up the box, and they're trying to find ways to equalize that. And he used yep. that, that statement, equalizing, loading up the box in those situations. Using Devin Brown in these situations doesn't mean you're sacrificing the ability to throw the ball in the red zone. It just means you're, you're, adding an ele- you're adding a different element because they think that Devin Brown can be explosive with his legs. I don't think you're sacrificing it. I just think that it it allows you to kind of keep the – Keep the ability. Like I, I, I think the common cord's better at throwing the ball than than Devin Brown and and Stephen. What have we talked about? I mean, you've mentioned this for weeks now that in short yardage situations, it doesn't matter Ohio State should throw the ball. And I understand, like you know, if you if you think Devin Brown can throw the ball well, and, I, and all right, sure. I I'm not I'm not saying I even disagree. I'm just saying that I don't like the concept of taking out your starting quarterback when you get inside the 15, the 10, I, I just think that it, I just think that it can throw off for them a little bit. And I think that it keeps defenses more honest. If you have your starting quarterback in there that can, you know, you feel comfortable throwing the ball. You got down there for a reason. You can still throw the ball with him. Right. But I mean, you can still throw the ball with Devin Brown. That's the thing. It's like, it's, it's not like, I mean, I hate the wildcat and it's not <laughs> like he's and but it's also not like he's an, uh, a Nebraska quarterback from the sure, 70s. Yeah. Like he's not, <laughs> they're just running the option. Yeah. He's not like incompetent. He, well, no, but he's it's just he's a modern quarterback. He just wasn't as good of at it as Kyle McCord was when they had to make a decision as to who was going to be the starting quarterback for this team. And I think Kyle McCord is still better, yes, at throwing the ball and also just processing decision making. Those are still things where Kyle McCord has an edge, which is why I don't think you will see it just because they're in the red zone against Penn State. So that's what I was saying. I think I came up with an I think I just came up with the name. I think it should be the Brown Puddles package because I think it's got to be it's got to be a bad weather conditions in the red zone. So it'd be the brown zone, right? It's the brown zone package. I like the brown puddles mm. package. Like it's it's like, I like muddy brown zone. muddy, wet. Um brown zone's too easy because his name's just brown. It's got to, it has to it has we That's have to what, remind yeah. people that it's but we have to remind people that it's because of like the weather conditions. Like Ryan Day said that was the genesis of it. Like if the Northwestern game last year had never happened, maybe they never designed this package. But mm-hmm. because they wanted to have it be in this situation, that's a situation just yeah. like this. So I think if it's cruddy against Penn State, I think he might play in that package. I think if it is a crisp, clear day, I think he will not. I understand the concept of of that. I just I think that if you're if you're going to throw the ball, I think your starting quarterback should be in the game. Like I, I don't. I mean, because if if you're going to run, I mean, you run a twelve play drive that gets down to the you know to the eight yard line after a fifteen yard gain. I just don't like the concept and the idea of taking him out and then being like, oh, well, we can also still throw the ball. Like, I understand that, yes, you could still throw the ball. And yes, it's not like you're putting in a guy who's like a running back and you're asking, you know, you're not asking Chip Trainum to throw the ball, right? Like, you're not asking somebody who can't throw the ball to throw the ball or somebody. It's just, I don't like the idea of bringing in somebody cold off the bench 
in the red zone at a very crucial moment of a game. Like I said, if you want to do this against Rutgers, if you want to do this against Minnesota, that's fine. I, I, I'm not going to pick nits with that. Absolutely. You know, today I thought was a great idea to do this because it's the four Penn State. It's against Purdue. Weather's kind of crappy. I, I get it. I understand that. But I just think that if you're going to get down the field, probably by throwing the ball, I don't like the idea of taking off the starting quarterback and then allowing somebody else to throw the ball. I, I just think that, that if, if you're going to throw the ball, I think Kyle McCord should be the guy throwing the ball. I think it's an interesting thing to pull out against Michigan more than the Penn State. Yes, Penn State, because Penn State's next on the schedule, but you got to go up to Ann Arbor at the end of November. And the last time, Nathan, they went up to Ann Arbor at the end of November, it was very bad weather for throwing the ball. And now, CJ, CJ's got a really good arm, so he was able to zip it through. And I, th- I thought he threw it well. But when you couldn't run the ball up at Ann Arbor, if it's anything weather-like, it was in 2021. I think this is an interesting package that we might see here. A couple more things before we get up out of here. On a scale of one to five, where one is trembling fear and five is complete calm, what is your concern level about Ohio State's offense against Penn State? That's another question Nathan sent out to the texters. Nathan, I want you to answer that question first. Well, I think I, I first of all, it's a bad question. I think it should have been the reverse, right? Yeah, it should have been was gonna, yeah. five was the fear and one was. So yeah, I think it happens. So. I, I don't know. I think I would be at about a three, but only because mm-hmm. not, I wouldn't be higher than that only because this Ohio state defense, like if you were to tell me that that game is going to end 14 to 12, I don't know who I think would win because yeah. Ohio state's defense is just so good this year. And you saw that again today. We haven't mentioned the defense yet, but like the great performances I thought off the edge from JT Tumala and Jack Sawyer, like meeting in the backfield for the first time in a real way, <laughs> first mm-hmm. time this season in a real way, like a couple, like multiple times. Tyreek Williams is still just a dude. Cody Simon's really invigorating things coming off the bench, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. if I haven't looked at his snaps yet, but it's just played a, a bigger role. Um, is doing some real things, and they don't know if they're going to have Denzel Burke yet. But I, I think that this this Penn State offense doesn't like. I don't think you should be afraid of this Penn State offense. So now it's just a matter of is your offensive line going to get pushed around by this Purdue defensive line or Penn State defensive line? So I think I would be at about a three just because I respect Penn State's defense that much. Andrew, where are you at? Uh, I'm at a two actually right now until I hear news about the injury front. Um, until you can tell me that Emeka Buka is going to play and that there's any kind of semblance with the running backs that they're healthy, like, or at least one of them is healthy. I'm at a two. I, I, I would revert back to a three. Once I hear that, I think that that's kind of a fair place to be. Um, always, always shoot for the middle. It always feels like some there, the answer is always somewhere in the middle, but yeah, I, I'm at a two right now, as long as there are health question marks with this roster. Um, you know, if, if a Mecca's out, I mean, we talked about this in our, in one of our YouTube videos, if a Mecca's out, that's a problem. That's a big problem. And I think that that would have me very, very concerned. That would have me more concerned about than a lot of things. I think if, if I were an Ohio state fan kind of talking about this, so I'm at a two right now in terms of concern for this offense because of the injury situation. If we get to Tuesday and Ryan Day says Emeka's going to practice and Travion's going to play and Mayan will be re- Mayan will be available, then then the concern kind of goes down a little bit. But yeah, as of now, I think I'm at a two. Yeah, I'm at a two and a half because of that reason. Uh, our textures are at 3.06. Most of them pick, pick three. I think from a a if both teams are healthy, I think three is fair. Because I think we're seeing enough from the offense that 
it can do its part, but this team's going to get carried. I don't well, I don't want to use the word carried, but the def- I'll say this. Ohio State and Penn State's defenses are clearly the best two units heading into next Saturday's game. I think we can all agree with that. And there's a conversation to be had about which one is number one and which none is number two in that conversation. I mean, Michigan, Michigan can go in that conversation too. Right. No, I'm just talking about with the matchup next week. Not that. Not, not uh, yes, Michigan. Of course, these are those are probably the three best defenses in the country. Might be. Oh, in you're the saying Big Ten the two East. best units between the defenses and offenses in the game. I see. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry. In this game, yes. I think it's clearly the two defenses. I think three is Ohio State's offense, and I think there is a gap. Between three and four, there's clearly a gap between two and three, but I think there's a gap between where Ohio State's offense is and where Penn State's offense is if everybody is healthy. And I have more faith in what what Ohio State did to Purdue on Saturday. I think they can do that to Penn State's offense next Saturday. While Ohio State's offense, can they score 24? I think 24 points might win you the game next Saturday. And so because of that, that puts me at a three as long as those very valuable pieces that are Emeka Buka, that are Denzel Burke and Travion Henderson and Chip Trainum, as long as they're available in those situations. So that'll wrap up this episode of Buckeye Talk. Nathan and I will be back on Monday. We'll be getting into the Ohio State... Penn State talk. We'll probably be talking a lot of Drew Aller, a lot of Kyle McCord, and a lot of other things as we rewatch this Purdue game. And then we'll be back at the Woody on, on Tuesday to talk with Ryan Day and talk with Jim Knowles as they prepare to face Penn State next Saturday at noon inside Ohio Stadium for Nathan Bear, for Andrew Gillis. I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk.